If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. Wonderful once again to be with you and share some ideas to talk about the Parsha, to see what's important in our lives, relevant to take a look at the Parsha and what a Parsha it is, a very full Parsha, a Parsha that speaks about so many miraculous events that were connected with the liberation, the exodus from Egypt, and how each one, in a sense, deserved, well, a full Parsha of its own. The story of the splitting of the Sea of Reeds, the story of the manna, um, it's a Parsha which is filled with a great, great many ideas, and each one of them stands out as a monumental event in the story of the Great Liberation. But the entire Parsha is called Bashalach. And Bashalach, of course, is, uh, well, when Pharaoh sent the Jewish people out of Egypt. But before we get into that, it's a very special Shabbos. It's a Shabbos that is designated by a special name, Shabbat Shira, the Shabbos of the song, the great song that the Jewish people sang together with Moshe, speaking about the glory of God, thanksgiving, talking about how God brought about the miraculous and total destruction of the Egyptian army who were chasing after the Jewish people. The Jewish people walked through the dry land when God split the Sea of Reeds, Yamsuf, Kriyat Yamsuf, and thereafter Egyptians, unfortunately, not understanding how ridiculous and dangerous their attempt to destroy the Jewish people, they themselves become destroyed in the water as it returned to its normal state. And it's a Shabbos of song, and a song, of course, speaks of joy. A song speaks of, well, something to celebrate, something which is special, something which is absolutely, well, unique. Thanksgiving, turning to God, saying thank you, showing gratitude, telling God that we appreciate, deeply appreciate what you have done. And it says, Az Yashir Moshe. And our commentaries point out that the word Az really refers to, well, not only the moment that the Jewish people then at the Sea of Reeds sang the song, but Az, it's a song that will continue to be sung time and again until ultimately with the coming of Mashiach, our righteous Redeemer, the song will be sung in the fullest sense of the word when we turn to God and express our gratitude in a joyous sort of way. And this is why the Shabbos... Ancient customs of, well, doing all sorts of things to indicate that it's a special Shabbos. And so it should be in each and every one of our own lives in the terms of our community. It should be a Shabbos of song, a Shabbos of great festivity, a Shabbos that speaks to us about gratitude and thanksgiving, something which unfortunately is not as present as it should be. Very often we see great benefit, great miracles, great great gifts in our own lives, and we don't respond as well as we should. We don't respond with a tremendous outburst of joyous song, thanking God for the great things that he does for us. We tend to, well, on the one hand, complain a little bit. On the other hand, say, well, I need this now. Yes, I had that yesterday, but this is what I need today. And gratitude means the ability to truly appreciate each and every single action, to look at it, to understand how it benefits us, to understand that it's a great gift from God to each and every one of us. In a sense, if we look carefully, we'll probably realize how many miracles 
actually happen in our own lives. Miracles of relationship, miracles of health, miracles of, well, parnasah, sustenance, all the good things that we need, miracle upon miracle. But more of that. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the idea of gratitude. And while, of course, it's a Shabbos called the Shabbos of the Song, the Jewish people express their incredible gratitude together with Moshe at the splitting of the sea. Throughout the Parsha, we see a troubling, troubling element, and that is that every single time the Jewish people are challenged, there's no water, there's no food, or it appears, or they think there is no water and there is no food, they turn to Moshe with all sorts of complaints, using language which is so difficult to understand. Why did you bring us to this wilderness to die? Could have died in Egypt. Why did you bring us to this strange place without making sure that there is enough supplies for us to etc., etc., etc.? And not only that, but when we take a look at the actual Parsha itself, the opening sentence of the Parsha, it says, Vahibishalach para es, um, when Pharaoh sent out the Jewish nation from Egypt. Pharaoh sent them out? Yes, of course. At the end, having been crushed by those ten plagues, of course he participated in them coming up, but he sent them out. It seems to suggest that the entire exodus, the entire liberation, it's yet Mitzrayim was basically an act that was done by Pharaoh. Wasn't it God? Wasn't it the Jewish people themselves who had finally realized it's time to move forward? And God said through Moshe, this is the occasion when you will leave this terrible land of slavery. What does it mean that Pharaoh sent them out? And not only that, it continues and says that God did not lead them with a direct route to the promised land, but a circuitous route, an indirect route, because he was afraid that the Jewish people might encounter the Philistines, a powerful army, and they would regret going out of Egypt and want to go back. And this is why he leads them in an indirect circuitous route, not straight to the promised land. What's that all about? Here is a Parsha following on a Parsha of Bo, where we speak about the incredible miracles that the Jewish people experienced, the crushing of Pharaoh in Egypt. We're talking about an enormous, enormous movement of greatness and miracle. And this Parsha seems to suggest right at the beginning that things are not all that well. And while, of course, it's a Parsha that talks to us about great miracles, the miracle of the splitting of the sea, something which is defies nature altogether, the manna that came down from heaven, the water that was made sweet, time and again we see incredible miracles happening to the Jewish people, and yet each one seems to suggest by the name B'Shalach that all is not 100% well. And we have to ask ourselves, how is it possible that the Jewish people didn't celebrate at the highest possible level with ecstasy the miracles that happened in their lives? Some of the commentaries point out that there was an element among the Jewish people at the time that were a bit skeptical. Yes, we're going to go out, we're going to leave Egypt, we're going to go into the wilderness together with Moses, uh, but they weren't absolutely convinced that the miracles would continue, that God will in fact intervene on their behalf whenever there was a moment of challenge and difficulty. They were not going out with full hearts. And because of that, Vahib Shalach Parah, 
um, these people had to be pushed by Pharaoh. They weren't prepared really to go on their own. And even though the vast majority of Jews who survived were dedicated and loyal and faithful with absolute emunah and bitachon, faith and trust in God, this element was not so sure. But it's difficult to say that the entire parish is going to be named in a particular way and structured in a particular way simply to indicate that there was an element within the Jewish people at the time that was, well, not altogether perfect. Why would we want to highlight the uncertainty that those people experience, the lack of faith that those people experience, rather than talking about the majority of Jews who were full of faith and loyalty and excitement about their liberation. In order to understand all of this, we have to come back to something that we discussed a number of times over the years, and that is what does liberty, what is liberation, what does freedom really mean? Now, freedom is a word that is absolutely misused, abused throughout history and throughout the world. People talk about liberty and liberation, and it's anything but Sometimes there's a change of government. Sometimes there's a change of those who are in power. Sometimes the people rise up and say enough is enough. Is that liberty? Perhaps to a very limited degree it might be liberty. But liberty freedom is an altogether different type of situation. And therefore, liberty is not something which depends upon a single act, deposing a government, removing a tyrant, Liberty really means a transitional stage that goes through a long process, step by step. The first step, of course, in liberty is to break the shackles of slavery, to leave a land that tried to destroy the Jewish people with great brutality, to walk away from a place that was infested with evil and violence at the lowest and most terrible level. But once you leave that land, are you free? Yes, you might feel free for a day or two or a month or a year, but you're not free because freedom demands growth and development. What defines something which is alive? It continues to grow and develop. If it becomes stagnant, if it stays in one place, if it doesn't move forward, with excitement and with greatness and with passion, you're not free. You're still tied up by those chains that physically tied you up yesterday. And this is something that we have to understand. It's true in every single area of life. Emotional growth, intellectual growth, spiritual growth, relationships. In any situation, a human being must move constantly from one point to a higher point to develop more and more and more. Otherwise, the freedom that you anticipated yesterday becomes a source of enslavement today. You're bound by issues that don't allow you to go forward. And those issues are not circumstantial circumstances around you. Those issues come from within. This is where freedom is really all about. What is freedom is what all, what's it all about? You know, I often hear people say, if only, if only this, if only that, I would be the happiest guy in the world. If only I had this, or if only I had that, if only I won the Powerball jackpot in Lotto, I would be the happiest human being on earth. Yeah, you might be for a very short time, but that 
happiness, unless nurtured and development, developed, if it doesn't continue to grow, it becomes stagnant, it becomes, well, a source of enslavement. You know, very often we think, if I only had what so-and-so had, but look at so-and-so, is he so happy? No. He's become, she's become accustomed to their circumstances, and this is where they stay. And the happiness that I anticipated yesterday, well, fizzled out already. Because there are two different types of slavery. Circumstantial. You live in a society, you live in a community, you live in a place which tries to destroy you. You live in a place which tries to destroy your body and soul. But once you remove those negative external elements, there is another type of liberty. And that's the liberty within the desire to grow and develop and build something that is sustainable, that lasts. Something which enables you, enables you to see things differently. And that's another important and vital component of freedom. It's not only a change of circumstance or even moving yourself forward. Moving yourself forward really means that your perspective, your view of life changes in a positive way. And just like a child that's enticed by a sweet, by a lollipop, but an adult, of course, would scoff at that. Why? Because an adult life view, understanding of what is real, what is important, has changed dramatically. This is what freedom is all about. The ability, the desire, the dedication to development and growth, which enables me to be not only a different person, but to see myself and the world differently from a higher and better and more pure perspective. This is what liberty is all about. Liberty is not walking out of jail and sitting down and saying, ah, I am now free within a very short while. You will once again be contained within the most limited destructive situations, anything but freedom. You have to grow. You have to develop. Like in study, every single day, you have to grow and develop. Your mind needs to expand. Your view of life needs to expand. Your emotions need to expand. This is true in relationships, and it's so difficult to achieve, where every single day you yearn and try to somehow make it better and greater. Otherwise, as said before, it becomes stale, it becomes stagnant, it becomes ordinary. It's no longer what you anticipated. And this is what the Parsha is talking to us about. The initial stage of leaving Egypt was Paro drove them out because at that stage the vast majority of people saw freedom as leaving a place of tyranny, oppression, and slavery. But once they got out, they realized that's not what freedom is all about. Freedom is an altogether different type of developmental idea and personal growth. This is by Hebeshalach. And this is why with each miracle, they come to a different level of understanding. And while, of course, yes, there was that element of people who complained, because they didn't grow. They didn't work at achieving freedom. And one of the most terrible elements of slavery is the idea of entitlement. You have to give me something. 
You have to feed me. What about going out and working for that which you need? And in every single situation, it might not be perfect, it might not be the best, but in every single situation of life where there is a difficulty, there's also an opportunity to get out there and do something about it. But if we sit back and expect to be given everything, physically and spiritually, we're not free at all. In fact, we're very much enslaved. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about how to develop freedom. We're talking how to make freedom relevant and real in our own lives. Not only once upon a time something happened to the Jewish people and we celebrate to this day, but to look at our own lives and ask ourselves, how can I be free? Because each and every single person has certain barriers and limitations and shackles, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, which stand in the way of growth and development. And it takes effort. It takes work to overcome these things, to break through these things, and to go forward in a growing developmental process. And this is something which is important for us to understand. We take a look at the Parsha, and each and every single time a miracle happens, what happens soon thereafter? They complain. Why do they complain? Because at the end of the day, when God shows us a miracle, what he's also telling us is in addition to the gratitude, the thanksgiving you have to show for the miracle given to you, you have to participate in the miracle by doing whatever you can in order to make this miracle something which is real and something which is lasting, something which can sustain you to higher and better levels. This is what a miracle and freedom is all about. Something happens, you have to take the opportunity and participate in that extraordinary moment and event and Put your own strength, your own abilities, your own skills, your own faith, your own strength to go forward, to make it real, to take it, and to use it together with your own elements. And this is something which happened time and time again. God intervenes with great miracles. Jewish people then. What happens soon thereafter? They complain because they didn't invest their own strength, their own skills, their own abilities into that situation and made it real and relevant in their lives through action and through growth and through development. And this is why when we come to the end of the Parsha, something wonderfully strange is told to us. Amalek, the archenemy of the Jewish people, is proceeding against the people with a huge, powerful army. And at that day, Amalek was the most powerful of all the military forces. And they are coming to stop the Jewish people from going forward to Sinai to receive the Torah, the great battle of Amalek. And what does God say to Moses at the time? God says to Moses, go and choose men of strength, warriors those who will go into battle against the Moloch. And we ask the question, I mean, at every single turn that the Jewish people went through, God intervenes and shows a miracle. Why doesn't he do, well, snap his divine fingers and destroy a Moloch in a moment? After all, in Pharaoh's Egypt, ten miraculous plagues, one after the other. 
the splitting of the sea, the come falling of, he- of manna from heaven. Why, when it comes to the battle of Amalek, does God say, choose men of strength, form an army, and proceed against Amalek in battle? What happens, of course, is during the battle, the miracle is seen, because Moshe's hands are lifted upward, and this in itself gives the Jewish people the upper hand until they ultimately destroy, well, not completely, but they win a decisive battle against the Amalek. And the answer, of course, is just that. The time had come for the Jewish people to participate in partnership with God's miracle. Of course, God could have snapped his divine fingers and do something which would destroy Amalek once and for all. But he wanted the people to be involved. He wanted them to understand victory as a result of their participation together with the miracle of God. It's not one thing. It's a combination. God shows us miracles, but he expects us to respond in a particular way. He expects us to respond by doing whatever we can. And this is how the Parsha ends to tell us that this was the developmental growth of the people. When they came out, they needed their hands held at every single moment of challenge. But as they proceed towards Sinai, they grow, they develop, they are able to go into their army and together with God bring about the miraculous victory against Amalek. And this is why this Parsha is so important. Because step by step it teaches us how to understand freedom, how to understand growth and development, how to understand that it has to be a constant factor in life, that each and every single day we have to look at the past and understand the difficulties of the past, but look to the future and have the courage to encounter those challenges with a tremendous sense of faith, devotion, and action. And this is why when you're in shul tomorrow, Listen carefully to the story, the entire story of Bashalach, the splitting of the sea, the singing of the song, the manna from heaven, the water that was sweet. Listen to each and every single story and ask yourself, how does that relate to me? How does that story, that great miraculous moment, relate to me here and today? And when you come to the closing sentences of the Pasha, the great battle against the Moloch. Understand that you have the strength and the courage because God not only invites you to participate with him in miracles, but he also gives you the strength, he gives you the ability, he gives you the skills, he gives you the wherewithal to be victorious in battle. It's a fascinating Shabbos. And it all comes together in one word. Shabbos Shira, the Shabbos of our song. The most joyous song is the one that we not only express thanksgiving and gratitude, but we recognize that we put our best into a situation and we see the incredible positive results. A Shabbos of joy, a Shabbos of song, a Shabbos of freedom. Good Shabbos.